Namo tasa pakavato arahato samasambhutasam Namo tasa pakavato arahato samasambhutasam Namo tasa pakavato Arahato Sama Samputasam. Homage to the blessed, noble, and perfectly enlightened one. So I'm really impressed this evening to, uh, I closed my eyes and there were only a few here, just a few of you, and opened my eyes and so many more have come in, and <laughs> I'm, I'm so impressed because it's, is it December 28th, I think, between Christmas and New Year's, and uh, uh, this, this time of year on a dark and rainy and blustery evening, so many of you have come to join in meditation together and, uh, and listen to the Dhamma talks. I'm thinking that you are all the you are all the great ones. <laughs> you are the diehards. <laughs> uh, so, feeling very appreciative for, for seeing all of your faces, um, independent of the numbers. Yes. Actually, yesterday, uh, I was uh, seeing seeing the video of one of my venerable Bikuni sisters. Uh, I participated in her ordination in Australia last year, and she gave her very first public Dhamma talk at the Buddhist Society of Western Australia's main kind of city center, main public center, on Christmas Eve. Because she was a new Dhamma speaker, it seemed like Christmas Eve is the best time. No one will be there, yes? <laughs> so, nice time to get comfortable. But also, she, she opened her eyes to give the talk, and then the room was full of people. <laughs> so, what are you all doing here on Christmas Eve? <laughs> well, what better way to spend it, yeah? Hmm. So, for those who are there, yeah. Mm. So, with um, it being this uh, this very dark time of year, and uh, just just past our American Festival of Lights, uh, Christmas, um, I thought that it might be nice to talk this evening about uh, darkness and and light. Uh, in our lives and uh, like on the path. So just being past the solstice, uh, I think, oh, I'm very aware of uh, at this time of the year of the cycles of dark and light in our lives and uh, I know that there are many people who, who feel this very strongly, this, this dark time, and uh, our moods may be affected by that, um, whether, in, is it whether in positive or, or not positive ways. And 
This is supposed to be one of the ancient reasons for lighting the lights around this time of year, yes? I know that being out at our hermitage where there was no electric light, actually I became very aware that it's really in the, in the depth of the darkness without any city lights or ambient light or, or any electric lights around, that it's in, in the depth of the darkness that the light seems most clear, yes, most deep. I know coming out in the middle of the night uh, onto the porch of my little meditation hut there in the, in the forest that you heard about on the Sonoma coast, looking up at the night sky Sometimes I thought, oh, I've never seen so many stars before. And how deep, how piercing, how penetrating the light seems in the darkness of the, of the night sky. Yes? So I'd like to uh, take a little bit of a look at this subject, that is, uh, going, going into the darkness. And, uh, the themes of, of darkness and light in our lives and uh, in the path of practice, if you like to call it on the spiritual path. Yes, I know some people don't like to call it that, but whatever we call it. Mm. You know, as a child, there was this thing amongst children of being afraid of the dark. Yes? And uh, the, time, the time that the light would be turned off is the time that uh, for, for us as children that mom would be nearby and like we needed, like we needed comfort for the light to be turned off because maybe it's scary. Yes? And uh, then we're afraid of what might be under the bed, something lurking under the bed in the darkness, or what might be in the closet, and <laughs> some kind of scary, scary things there, yes? So we learned this kind of culture of, uh, of fear of darkness, that there might be something scary or dangerous in it, and it seems like there's some truth in that, yes? Of course, you know, if you've left out one of your toys and you, you go to the bathroom in the night and you bump into it, ouch! <laughs> so this is the, the, the danger of what you can't see in the dark, right? But then there was the imagination and all the wild things of the imagination which were far greater than bumping into one of your toys that you've left out, yes? The monsters in the closet. And these things, yes, the scary, scary things of the imagination. And I know sometimes when, uh, when the wind was blowing and the trees were rustling or, or something like that, and if we were awake thinking that there might be something scary, then when the light came afterwards and we saw, oh, it's just the tree outside the window, yes, then what a relief it would be to see then in the daylight 
what had been so enormous and so difficult in our, in our imagination in the long hours of darkness. So when I first began to learn to meditate, then also that fear was there that I had learned as a child to close my eyes and we're so used to having our minds on something, grasping, wanting to grasp onto something through our senses, what we're seeing, what we're hearing, what we're smelling, what we're tasting, the mind going to all of those objects of the senses from one to the other. I think the Buddha described it like a monkey swinging through the trees. It's like one arm grabbing on and then then swinging and then the next grabbing on to the next branch and swinging and um, how it can be like that with our senses and, uh, and even the objects of the mind. So when I first went to close my eyes and there was darkness, then it seemed scary, yes? What's going to be there, lurking within the psyche? <laughs> like, like the idea of the things in the closet, yes? <laughs> or under the bed, what's hiding under here, inside? Um, and I don't know where I learned it from, but there was some kind of mysterious idea in our culture that there might be something inside that was bad. like these you know, dangerous things, like very much like the monster in the closet, that there was something lurking within the psyche. So it took a while then to be able to begin to relax with the eyes closed. and not to need to grab onto this and that and the other thing and swing from one to another, but relax into the letting go and seeing, just seeing what's there and seeing if it really was dangerous or not. And this is the thing that's so very beautiful, that I find so very, very beautiful about this practice. This practice of meditation, this practice of mindfulness. Relaxing deeply into awareness. Letting go and seeing and knowing what's there. Just seeing whatever arises or doesn't arise in this open presence and spaciousness. And how the fears also relax then. These underlying fears, mysterious fears of things that we don't really know what they are even. But it's like these ones lurking, lurking underneath from childhood. 
only rising up in our dreams. Or when we're woken up at night by the sound of the wind and something rustling and rising up. What a wonderful effect it is with this very deep relaxing, letting go and seeing and knowing what, what we are, what we're made of, what our bodies and minds actually are. And finding that the more deeply we relax and let go, that the less there is anything dangerous. Yes. Anything to be afraid of. Such an amazing thing. In fact, it seems that this opening and relaxing and releasing and being willing to go very, very deep into that darkness that used to be there when closing the eyes and sitting quietly. How amazing to find how it changes. There was a time that I learned about color and found that the black was actually so many other colors, very, very finely condensed together, all mixed, all mixed together, yes? Very finely, I see, yes, condensed and that this is what the black was made of. I didn't know that before. It's kind of a miracle to discover it. It's all colors, all colors there. When adding water to, to the black and seeing the streaks, streaks of color, very fine streaks of color spreading out, all the colors of the rainbow there, yes? I don't know how many of you may have experienced this with the darkness that may seem to be there when you close your eyes and sit for meditation as well. That is when relaxing deeply, letting go deeply, then what seemed to be dark, what seemed to be black, the realization that actually there's color, <laughs> that there's color everywhere. At first, sometimes it seems like, like you've gone into a cavern and sparkles, a sparkle of red, a sparkle of blue, a sparkle of green, a sparkle of gold, like jewels that are uh, jewels of various kinds that are there, is it buried in the walls of the cavern. 
something like that. But this comes just from bringing the light of awareness into that darkness. As it starts to brighten just a little bit. And we start to see, like I think Ruth Dennison calls it, the ground of being. Maybe we could see it as a field. And each of those colors is being like a seed. The seeds of things that have happened, that have been done, that still have some dynamic energy in them, life energy, so that when they're touched upon, when there's water given, then they start to come forth. Yes. So when you sit for a long time with this dark emptiness and just watch very, very closely, very carefully, moment after moment after moment, not expecting anything, not making anything, not needing it to be any particular way. And we start to see this ground. I guess normally we would call it the subconscious or unconscious. A ground of life. Except for this very amazing thing with this practice is uh, how what was subconscious as our awareness deepens, I would say like it starts to rise into awareness or is it that our awareness deepens and comes down to meet it, like lowering the bar? So what was subconscious starts to come into awareness, more and more fully into the realm of awareness, full awareness. At that time, people often start to dream less, much more deep sleep. But because of seeing and knowing what's there, having the openness, the space, the time, the heart, to see and know what's there, to know ourselves more deeply, then the need for it to be worked with in our dreams under cover of darkness, without being seen and known fully, that need starts to be released, to reduce, yes because we're giving the time and the space, allowing ourselves to see and know that with full awareness. And the bar lowers, yes? Even to what we would have called before, not only the subconscious, but what was unconscious the deep, deep things of our human life, of our being. No longer sublevel, no longer the basement, no longer under the bed, right? (laughs) 
but out, out in the open, brought into the light of full awareness, except for it's more like we come to meet it where it's at, right as it is where it is. Just by letting the light of awareness fully, uh, fully come to and rest, rest just on what is there. So then rather than a few sparkles in the darkness, sometimes that ground then seems to come alive. This is what we call the ground of life. And rather than being a great unknown, it starts to come into awareness. And we see and know what we're made of, how the things are happening, what they arise from. And something happens to our hearts in the process that I think we would normally just call a greatness, like greatness of heart. The willingness, the openness, the depth to see and know what's there. Like with love, this kind of mindfulness has a quality that I think we would normally call love. Not kind of shallow, superficial love, but really great, great love. That is the love that's able to see and know just what is, whatever it is, however it is. And able to bear that and able to hold it because it is deep and vast and strong. And it is part of the ground of each one of our beings. part of the nature of having a human heart, an intrinsic part of it, the stuff that we're made of as human beings. It's interesting about the awareness because it's very clear. It's like clear awareness. And yet, like when I've been outside at night and had the flashlight and just shone it out into the night, unless there's an object for it to fall on, still everything is dark, yeah? Unless you turn the light back on yourself, yes, (laughs) then you see light. But shining it out, if there's no object for it to fall on, then there is light, but looks dark. I think light of our awareness is also, also like that in some way, yes? It illuminates whatever object it's turned to 
or if awareness is turned back upon itself, then, like turning the flashlight towards ourselves, then we see light, yes? So with this process of becoming aware of awareness, So sometimes people experience then uh, bringing awareness to just what is with their, with their eyes closed, relaxing, letting go, paying careful attention, that also sometimes it starts to seem like light is gathering, a brightness is happening, sometimes even like it starts to intensify. I find this darkness of the mind, empty, objectless awareness, to be very refreshing, really, really deeply refreshing, very relaxing, calming, soothing. And yet, when the mind starts to become bright in this kind of way, What's it called? There's a kind of light, oh, UV light. It's actually used for cleansing, right? Used for purification. I know when I was in India, then uh, part of the modern kit for water purification is UV light stick. Yes. <laughs> yes. I know some people who have sensitivity to dust mites and other kinds of uh, some molds and things also will use the UV light wand to, uh, to, to neutralize uh, those things that are, uh, can, be, can be harmful yeah? or can be toxic for us. Uh, or the things that may give infectious disease or something like that. It's funny that it seems for us, with this light of awareness that we have, that it also has some kind of effect like this. It's like the things that were unhealthy dynamics, the things that we would call not essential in our heart or mind, but things that have come in that have brought dis-ease. It seems that the touch of the light of awareness has a similar kind of effect in terms of kind of neutralization of the harm, of the harmful aspect that there can be in these things, that if we compared our, our mind, our heart, to water, like the things that might have been bearers of disease. 
such a truly amazing thing to see over time how that works. Even just with mindfulness, not to mention if our mind becomes focused and we bring that focused attention to whatever whatever dynamics there may be, whatever patterns there may be, into the cause and effect of things. Because it's not only that just awareness is happening, there's a change that's happening as well. It's like uh, has this amazing ability to neutralize the harm. Whether we feel it as harm that was done or harm that is happening or a potential for harm so amazing the, the, the strength and the power of the uh, kind of nature of that quality of, of mindfulness, of awareness. But does no harm to the mind itself, yes? It's like with the water when we did that, the, the, the uh, what is it, the essence or the, the nature of the water and the good that water is for drinking is not harmed by that at all. Yeah? So for what is it? What is our nature? It's not, not harmed by this. In fact, it almost seems like the opposite happens. That is that with that clarity, with that clearing, that there is a strengthening. Incredible kind of strengthening. It makes it so the things that were for our welfare that we wished to do but weren't able to. It's like we weren't quite able to hold it not quite able to remember, not quite able to keep it together, not quite able to manifest it, gives strength, like integrity, a strength, a continence, an integrity. To the kind of latent virtue that's there in us. When I was younger, I heard lots of things about different religions, yes, different kinds of ideas of virtue and morality and what is sinful, what is holy, what is all, all these kinds of things, yeah? So many different ideas floating around. And it's hard not to adopt these ideas more or less. 
although I really liked the idea of like freedom of mind, free inquiry. Yes, something I love in the Buddhist teaching. <laughs> I love this in Zen. Yes, you have permission to question everything. <laughs> yes, you have permission to open the door and look deep, deep, deep inside and want to know what you see, yes? Not just what you've been told or what you heard or what you learned. <laughs> it's open permission in, uh, in Theravada Buddhism. Like, uh, in the Pali text, it's called Ehipasiko, uh, which means, uh, now I think about this as uh, the Buddha's open door policy, which means welcome to come and see. <laughs> if it's good for you, then good. But to be found out for oneself, to be known, really to be realized, to be known for oneself. So this has been one of the amazing things, I think, for this uh, path of practice, is to really see, experience how it works, what happens. Just see, see what happens and how it works. And out of this comes what were so many theories, so many ideas, various religious and philosophical teachings, we start to really then, knowing ourselves, we start to know for ourselves, ah, this is how this works. Ah, this is what this is. This is what this is in life, in practice. It's not just a dream, not just a fantasy, but in our being human beings, yes, in our makeup, we have this ability, we have this, there is this. It works like this. It's such a lovely and wonderful thing, yeah? So, previously I very much appreciated the freedom to doubt, yes, and the freedom to inquire. Now I very much appreciate also the freedom to believe in in my own experience, yes. <laughs> um, hmm. And find it quite amazing. Yeah. Um, maybe about 10 years ago, someone came and, uh, and said, You've got to see this movie. It's a Buddhist movie. They wanted me to see The Matrix. Yes? <laughs> oh, really? Buddhist movie. <laughs> Matrix. How interesting. Okay, it's a nice name. And yeah, and in, in Buddhism, you know, for for the, the suttas, teachings of the Buddha, and then we have Vinaya, it's like monastic discipline, and then also there's the, the Abhidharma, is originally called the matrix, matrika, yes? Uh, means like framework of, of being, of Dhamma, framework of the, also of the Buddha's teaching, yeah? And I thought, yes, that's one of the three baskets in Buddhism. All right, we'll see the matrix. <laughs> 
but I thought that the matrix was like completely upside down of Buddhism because the matrix seemed to me more like that dark fantasy that I had as a child. That is that, you know, the, the outside is covered over with these kind of lovely things because what's underneath is awful. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the dark secret that's, that's hidden underneath. Uh, like idea of some part of it is true. It's true, I think. So much of what we're doing superficially is like just made by our minds, individually and collectively. All of this stuff that's around us, these walls and lights and and. Uh, image of the Buddha, and all this is like forms made by human thinking. Yes? This is kind of idea about table and, you know, all clock we made, right? Even time. You know, how much of that is just construct that we've, we've made up and then we agree with each other and supposed to stop at a particular time and all of that is made, made up by us. Yeah, of course we'd say no, no, no. You know, sunrise, sunset. Happening every day. It's not made up, is it? Mm. But if I have the eyes of a mosquito, what does it look like then? Very much uh, connected to, uh, uh, connected to what kind of sense bases we have, all of that. So some part seems true, yeah? But underneath, is it all just dark? Is that the end of it? Are we just, you know, is it cowering on these life support systems, living a dream? And is that the final, the final end, the final truth? And this is the part that I feel like is completely upside down. Because it seems more like layers, yes? And if we stopped only there, we'd be missing all the really good stuff, yes? <laughs> uh, shouldn't stop there. Relax a little bit more deeply let go of our ideas, our concepts a little more. Relaxing more deeply into awareness. Allow the awareness to become stronger and the whole thing transforms again. Yes, and further. Like going through layers of uh, perception consciousness, layers of our fabrications of ourselves, our lives, our world. And the amazing thing that it becomes less and less awful looking, less and less scary, less and less toxic looking. Yes. In fact, as I said, like with the nature of light, of awareness, what was harmful 
what was disease, what was toxic, changes. It's like it gets dispelled. Or uh, transformed by being seen and known fully and deeply. I want to wish them well. It's like, thank you for being out there. How great if we have need. We can just call a number and someone will come to help. Thank them for doing that, going out dark night in the rain. But how we need to do that for ourselves as well. Yes. Means I will be there for you, to myself. When you have need, I will be there for you. There's nothing too dark, too dangerous, too deep to see and know and hold in loving kindness and awareness and be transformed by that. But we have to see for ourselves, yes? I say that just based on my, just, just based on the years of taking a look, being willing. But we do that for ourselves, then that confidence comes. That kind of fearlessness comes. Yes. Burns through all of the other stuff that uh, kind of stifled us, shut us down, held us back, turned us off. Burns through that. Maybe like antioxidant, yes. Supposed to, through the stuff that blocks our arteries, yeah? that blocks the flow of blood in our body, means what blocks our life. So we can flow freely, yes. Which is a very nice thing about the nature of awareness when it's unbound, when it's allowed to grow and become strong, is this free-flowing quality of it. Yeah. So, I want to stop there. End of this evening's reflection on, uh, I think, I had given a title, Darkness, Light, and Holiness. <laughs> uh, this, what I was talking about, I think, could even be called holiness in Buddhism. Yeah. And just very practical, ordinary, every day, for everybody. Not anything fancy. Good for everywhere. So I would like to invite, if you have any question, 
Is actually meaning the like literal darkness of the mind that many people experience when closing their eyes, when we're not seeing something, or when, uh, you know, in one way, it has to do with sight. We talk about darkness and light, and think it has to do with sight, but it also very much happens with our ears and sound. What would we, what would we call that? Can we call that darkness and light with sound or with smell? It's the same kind of pattern is there with all of our senses, all of our sense bases, yes? But in answer to your question, I would say, yes. Whatever is there, whatever, if, if it's there, whatever feeling, whatever emotion, uh, whatever physical sensations, whatever arises in the mind in terms of memories or thoughts or fantasies, all of these things. And for these ones, there certainly are the ones that we would say seem to be more dark in character. Yes? And yes, to be able to, to sit and to see, and to know, and to be with. Yes. They do change. Yeah. So, you're right. Mm. But, you know, with those things, there's the way that they can be like that monster in the closet. Yes. Like, how real is it? In one way, very real. Yes. The thought, the feeling is very real. And yet, in another way, um, like, how real are the fabrications of our mind? Real in one way, in another way, yes, as a kind of illusory nature. Yeah. Anyway, very transitory. How much power of belief do we give to those things? And I think giving is very important to understand in this case. How much power do we give to that? Not does it take from us, but that we have choice in, in that. That attention and belief is giving. Giving attention, giving belief. And it's up to us whether we do that or not. We can choose. 
if uh, my finger is painful right here, yeah, sore, like that, the knuckle, the joint is sore, I can give attention to it, yeah? What kind of attention? Maybe I'd like to give kindly, like loving, caring, kind attention to it, yes? Actually, if I do this right now, it changes. It's not even painful, instantaneously, amazing. But supposing it's painful again, <laughs> There's also the choice. I can move my attention over to the other hand, to a place where there's no pain. So this is a choice. If I'm going to put my attention to this, then what kind of attention am I going to give to it becomes important. How caring for it, how holding it, yes. What quality. But choice is there also to put the attention on something else. It's important to know that we, we, can, we can make that choice. And that's a giving attention, giving awareness, giving care. Oh, friend, you had wanted to ask something. I experienced this the other day. Yes. I was at work and I sometimes have lunch with some coworkers. Yes. Before that, I felt really bad, awful, wanted to cancel the lunch. And I said to myself, why am I feeling this way? Mm -hmm. I just don't understand. So, but then I didn't cancel the lunch, and I went to lunch, and the feeling went away, everything was fine. Then the next day, I thought, was I practicing mindfulness, just the fact that I questioned it? Why am I feeling this way? Mm -hmm. Without being aware, and that I think this kind of questioning is uh, like insight, vipassana practice. means this questioning of what's going on with this? You asked why, yes? What's the cause? What's this arising out of? Yeah? Often, when we see the cause of something, uh, or if we give attention and care and awareness to it, as, as you experienced, it changes. It's amazing the things that are like these holding patterns of years and years that are there, like bound up energy that, that pushes, push, push us, influence us, whether it's fear or some other kind of emotion like that, that's in this holding pattern due to not being seen and known fully and with care. It's like just waiting for that in this holding, dynamic holding pattern. Yeah? When we're ready to bring that awareness to it, the holding pattern shifts and it unbinds, and it becomes something else. It's like that energy is then liberated. As with the muscles in our body, when you get a tight muscle in a particular place, then it clenches, clenches up, and a lot of energy gets bound up there. And when that muscle relaxes, whether by bringing 
even by bringing mindfulness to a tight muscle, sometimes it will relax. And then you feel that energy then move. It's like it's liberated and then moves through the entire body. Sometimes we have the places that get tight in the body like that for years, whether in our jaw or in our chest or in our belly or in our low back. It's like bound up in this dynamic holding pattern. And when the care, really deep, deep care and attention is brought there, it unbinds. And then it's like, oh, so much energy is, is released in the body, in, in the mind, freed and, and liberated and becomes available for living, yes? Uh, so it's quite, quite an amazing thing how that happens with the, is it with the mental and with the physical things, the same, same kind of dynamic. I think it can be very wise to look and see what's going on, what is this? Because maybe you're having an intuition about there being something unwell. Yeah? If that's the case, good to bring attention to it, not to ignore it. Yeah? We do have such intuitions, yes? And how many times has it happened, I think, that not being moved by that intuition, ignoring it, then going on to do something that turned out to be a big mistake. <laughs> yes? Uh, or paying attention to it and then finding out, oh, if I had done that, that would have been a big mistake. Feeling such a relief, gladness. But there can also be the mistaken part. Means what's happening bears some similarity to a past different event and you're responding to the past. For example, if last time you had gone to lunch with a group of friends, one of the friends got really upset by something you said and then broke off your friendship and didn't want to see you and then turned all your other friends against you and this. What, what kind of story is that, yes? And so then, next time you have an appointment to go and meet with a group of friends, you're like, oh, yes. Maybe it's 20 years later, and still you're like, oh, no. Because of that memory of the past, responding not to the circumstance in the present, but, uh, but to that circumstance of, of the past. So this is a place where bringing that question of, why is this? What's going on? And uh, giving that care and attention. If what arises to your mindfulness is, this is about this thing from 20 years ago. Sometimes just, just knowing that can relax and say, this is now. These are different people. I've changed a lot. Yes? And you can go, and that bound up energy from the past gets, gets released, gets relaxed, gets opened up. And so I think it's good to bring that awareness, yeah? See what's really going on as much as we can.
good to be kind with ourselves too. Sometimes we don't know. We may not. Yeah. Not that we have to know every time, but good to give the attention, the awareness. It increases the possibility for knowing what's important. Happy New Year and well wishes to everyone. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.